Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Be the Gospel with Anthony Tijerina. We're doing spiritual warfare tonight, and it's called Stay in Your Armor. Welcome to the show, Anthony. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for, for having me again. Um very excited about today, as I usually am. When I dig into something, I get very passionate about it, and uh, I kind of don't let go until um, I've eaten all the meat, I guess you can say. <laughs> I keep chewing on it and chewing on it and chewing on it until um, everything I believe God wants to come out of it is that has come out of it, for sure. And so tonight... I want to talk about, I'm going to go back over a number of scriptures in the New Testament that, um, again, shows how search warfare is actually the of the flesh and the passions of the flesh um, that war against our spirit, or they war. And so there's a number of scriptures I want to take you through. And the most popular section in this uh, or chapter is Romans 7. And, and looking at verse 23 in particular, it says, But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and, and making me captive to the law, of, the law of sin that dwells in my members. See, so where's, where's the battle? Where, where's it at? You can see it's clearly in the mind. Right, so uh, going back to what I was sharing last time, you can see that a lot of the the spiritual warfare is actually just in mind. It's the the flesh or the carnal nature warring against your new nature, which is in Christ Jesus, which is perfect, which is holy, it's righteous. Right, so um, you can go back and you can look at verse three and kind of walk it there but I also want to show you James chapter 4 and James chapter 4 and 1 Peter chapter 2 uh, really brought a lot of clarity from verse 1 and actually I want to back up into chapter 3 of James back up to uh, verse 17 he says but the wisdom from above is first pure then peaceable Gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in those who make peace. What's that sound like? Doesn't it sound like the Beatitudes? Right? Blessed makers, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Verse 1, chapter 4 says, But this is what causes quarrels what causes fights among you is it not this that your passions are at war within you you desire and you and do not have so you murder you covet and cannot obtain so you fight and quarrel you do not have because you do not ask verse 3 you ask and you do not receive because you Spend it on your passions. Verse 4, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? It's against God. 
at war with God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that Scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell within us, dwell in us? And he's quoting Old Testament Scripture there. He says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And this leads straight into verse 7. But submit yourself, yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from me. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep and let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. And he will exalt you. Verse 11, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges a brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There's only one lawgiver and judge, and he is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? So when you begin to go back and look at the full context of what's at war here, it's your own passions within you. Going back to James chapter 4, verse 1. And so when I, when I started reading, I was like, oh my gosh, here it is. We see spiritual warfare, or actually you don't find that either. Um, but this is we don't war after the flesh, right? So the whole thing is, is you can see how the enemy wants to bring you into your flesh, into carnality to pursue your passions. And we can even dig this out even deeper uh, if we wanted to to show that how your flesh and the worldly passions is when you, you obeyed them when you were children of disobedience, right? So the warfare is the flesh, is the carnality, is the comfort, and all these things that go explicitly against the knowledge of Jesus Christ, his nature, his character, who he is. Let's jump over to First Peter. Chapter 2, verse 11. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. They wage war against your life. Keep your con of the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. And then it talks about submitting the whole section after that. So, again, we can see that it's the passions of the flesh wage war against you. So isn't this interesting? I've already showed you several different places where it says war. It uses the word war. It doesn't use the word wrestle as, hey, we're going to wrestle. You know, or struggle is the Greek word, direct Greek word. So when you look at this, war is at complete odds against your life. The flesh is at odds. It, is, it will wage war against against your life in God because it's an enemy of God. 
because of the carnal nature, the fleshly nature that desires to fulfill the passions of the flesh. And there's a whole list of them. You can go to Colossians 3. You can also see them in in Romans, several places. I mean, they're listed over and over, even in Ephesians. You see, um, even in Galatians, what what the works of the flesh are. And so you can see it's envy and self-righteousness and, and, and um, I mean, there's, there's so many things, uh, um, adultery, idolatry, um, all these things that miss it, miss it, sin, right? They miss God. They're, they're not God. So they're, they're missing the target, and it just continues and furthers um, more uh missing the word uh depravity right it just leads to more depravity it becomes a self-perpetuating cycle so here's the thing everybody reads or i'm sure you've heard one at least one sermon about the armor of god right and everybody always tells you put on the armor put on the the whole armor of god and so my question to you today is, when does it ever say to take it off? Go back and read the passage. It never tells you to take off the armor of God. And then when you look at what the armor of God is, you begin to realize, oh my gosh, the helmet of salvation. The breastplate of righteousness. The sword of the truth. God's word. Let's go there real quick. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So it's not even on your own ability. It's not even on your own strength. It's on his strength, his might, his force. A lot of people don't know that there's five different Greek words for power, and might is one of them. Let's look at verse 11. It says, put on the whole armor of God that Against the schemes of the devil. But we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the cosmic powers of this present age, right? So therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand an evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. So it's basically saying, you know, you won't be moved by any evil that will come against you, that will attack you. It won't harm you because it can't touch you. You are in the armor. You are fully protected. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet have given by the gospel of peace, In all circumstances, taking up the shield of faith, the shield of trust, right, 
with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Hmm. Trusting in God this eliminates and extinguishes all the flaming darts of the devil. It doesn't say some. It doesn't say some will go through your shield. It says all of the flaming darts of the evil one. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Not only that, but if we if we divide scripture according to scripture, if we I mean if we look at this righteously, we also know that truth is God's word. Cleansed you with truth for your word is truth. Right? God's word is truth. So he washes us with truth, which is his word, understanding him, walking with him, right? And so it's it's very interesting how it's how it's so easy to overlook these things. It says, therefore, take up the God. So it doesn't say take up half of the armor. Just just wear half of it. Just wear the right side or wear the left side or wear the top or wear the bottom. No, 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 no. It's saying take up the full, the whole armor of God, the complete armor of God. See, here's the problem. We think that the armor is only for whenever we go into a fight. And so the devil knows you're not wearing your armor. Let's just be honest. Because you keep taking it off. You go into a fight, and you're like, hold on, time out. Let me put my armor back on. Seriously? You think he fights fair? No. See, the problem is, there's two things. One, everything that happens to you is the devil. Jesus says that it will rain on the just and the unjust. It happens to both. Bad things will happen. There will be storms. There will be uh, issues and different things that happen, right? But it's how you handle it. Who do you place your trust in? Who do you rely on? Who do you fully rely on? You rely on yourself or you're relying on God? Because that's the question. You rely on your own ability. You rely on people. Who are you relying on? You have to go back to verse 10. Be strong in the Lord. Place your focus, your confidence, your, your trust upon him. And strength. See, the thing is, is we, we want to get be ready. Our special forces in the United States military, they're always training harder than anything that they'll ever come in contact with. They always want to be prepared, no matter what. They always want to be prepared. And this is so important because this should be our mindset also. It says at the end, think 
Here before you are others of his scheme, he is in so many other things. He to free others. He doesn't want you to to the gates of hell and free people that are in captive or bondage there. But I'm telling you, it's better to be ready than to get ready. And this is what it's saying. Put on the whole don't take off your armor. If anything, you should be making your armor stronger by reinforcing truth, by reinforcing the gospel and, and being ready in every to present the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of the kingdom, to anyone around you. You should look for the opportunities that you can give an answer to ask of you. Right? The blessed the blessed plate of righteousness. Do you do you understand that this is one of God's names is righteousness? Do you understand that it doesn't it doesn't just mean in upright standing with God. It means justice. Is the is the exact Greek word is justice. And it's not, oh, you have justice, but it's a constant state of being just, of doing what is right. This is what pleases God, doing what is right. That's why it says if you know to do good and you don't, this is sin. So having the breastplate of righteousness, having that breastplate of I always do right, no matter what hurts me. It hurts my reputation. It hurts my uh, how pretty people perceive me. None of that matters because before God, I can stand before God and say, God, I am completely and utterly upright before you. Not by my own works, but through Jesus Christ. But I continue to walk in Christ Jesus because I feed on the word of God. I drink of the spirit of God on a regular basis. Because he can't help but flow out of me because I become a fountain of living water through Jesus Christ. So let's look at this. The word of God. The sword. Well, let's back up earlier in verse 17. Take the helmet of salvation. Remember what I was talking about um, in previous times? Take the helmet of completedness that God has made you complete. God has made you whole. The helmet of wholeness that you are lacking nothing in Christ Jesus. There's nothing impossible for you because you believe in the only begotten Son of God. You fully trust on, rely in, adhere to Jesus Christ. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, well, you speak the Word of God because you're so full of Him. 
So sharpen your sword. Read the Bible. Listen to it. Meditate on it. You don't have to read it all in one day or day. Hey, sometimes I eat half a verse, and I'm chewing on that half a verse. I can tell you today, I've been thinking about the, the name I am, that I am, and talking to God about making that practical and making it real so people can understand, so I can better understand. But it's knowing him through his word. And because do you understand, when we go back and we look at Jesus when he's in the wilderness, he's not just quoting scripture. Anybody can quote scripture. The scholars can quote scripture. Satanists can quote scripture. Muslims can quote scripture back to Christians. I've seen it. Mormons. All these different religions. It's not about quoting scripture. There was a difference in Christ Jesus. Jesus said it. He knew that it was forever written in heaven because of the nature of his father. That to do anything contrary to, to what he said, to the obedience of God, would be sin. Would be a mistake. So he said it with full conviction every time look at the stone don't you want to turn into bread you look hungry no it is written for man shall not live by bread alone but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God what does that tell you it tells me he was meditating on God's word and it was more important to him than eating Doing his word is more important to him than eating. We can find out with the lady, the, the Samaritan. He even tells his disciples. They're like, well, somebody must have brought him some food. And he was talking about doing the will of God. Was his meat and his drink. So look at verse at all times in the spirit. Hmm. You ever thought about this? Well, let me finish the verse and I'll go back to this. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, verse 19, and also for me, that words may be given to me and on my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I'm the ambassador in change. Chains, sorry, not change. Ambassador chains, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> that I may declare boldly as I ought to speak. Hmm. Verse 18. There's a lot of absolute words here. You understand what an absolute word is, right? All Every, no one. These are absolute words. It claims it paints a clear picture. So praying at all times in the spirit. So that either means that you're praying for seven, which would physically be impossible. You understand what I'm saying? A lot of people read this and say, 
Oh, look, you're, you're supposed to pray in the Spirit, so it means you're supposed to pray in tongues all the time. Okay, so you can't eat, can't breathe, can't sleep, can't use the restroom because it says all times. And then it says with all prayer and supplication. Supplication, mm, that's a word we don't use very often, but it's by every measure possible. So whether it's fasting, whether it's um, sackcloth and ashes, whether it's bringing your flesh into uh, submission, right? Supplication, sacrifice, offerings, supplication. That's what it's saying here. It was all prayer. So all prayer. Hmm. Just praying at all times with all prayer and supplication. So that's also all supplication. That's everything. So are we just supposed to just hide in a closet and just pray 24-7-365 in tongues? Hmm. What is he saying? What is he bringing out here? Well, it says praying at all times. Did you know when you speak something out, it's considered prayer? The Greek word is proshu. And I'm probably slaughtering that word. Forgive me, any Greek people. So pro means towards. So it means towards a toward wish Vow or intent is what it means. So if we go into James, we go back into James and it says, Elijah was a that he prayed and it stopped raining and then it rained. But yet we go into that when Elijah steps onto the scene, doesn't say he came from praying. Heaven says it will not rain until I say it's gonna rain. He made a vow, a toward vow, wish or intent. He made it known to the king. And it says when he was leaving, then the word of the Lord came to Elijah and he gave him directions on where to go so that he could provide for him. During this drought And so we can't argue from a place of silence We can't say well Obviously that he prayed Before he went And he told King Ahab Well it doesn't say that does it This is the first mention of King I mean of Prophet Elijah It's the first mention of him Coming onto the scene And he said It's not going to rain until I say What? Who's he? Right? Isn't that what happens? Well, who are you? Who died and made you king? Well, Jesus did. Right? But this is Old Testament. We're talking about Elijah here. Not only that, you fast forward a, a chapter or so, and you find that when it begins to rain, he doesn't say a word. He bows down, puts his head between his knees in the opposite direction, and doesn't say anything until he he would lift his head up and he would ask his servant to go and check to see if there was any rain. 
if there was a cloud, what do you see? You ever gone back and studied that? I guarantee you, you're going to find that he didn't he didn't pray. You're also going to find that when they when they went to arrest him to bring him before King Ahab, what did he say? If he, he said, "If I be a man of God, let fire from heaven come down and consume these men," and what happened? He wasn't talking to God. Isn't this interesting? It's on the word for prayer. So when it's saying praying at all times, it's speaking something out, not backing off of it. This is how you pray without ceasing, just as Elijah did. He spoke something before King Ahab, and he never went back to King Ahab and said it's going to rain until it was Until the time came to completion. Do you see this? So praying at all times doesn't mean I, I pray for you again to take care of my finances. To you again to heal me. Now understand, there's nothing wrong with that. Jesus about that as well in the parable. But what I'm saying is that when you step into the spirit and you begin to operate in the spirit instead of out of your flesh, out of fear, out of worry, out of concern, and you begin to rely on the very nature of God, who he is, because you understand him, and you're able to put your trust fully in him and fight with his strength. Uh, he fights for you, should I say, and he's strong for you, in his might, then why would you ever back down? Why would you ever back up? You have on the full armor of God. The whole armor. See, the devil knows that all he has to do is get us to start speaking the opposite of what God says. He gets you going against God, getting you to act out of your flesh. Well, I don't see nothing. I prayed a hundred times, prayed a thousand times, and I'm still sick. I still don't have finances. So what? Just because you don't see it does not change the validity of God's word. And God is not a liar. The only thing you're making yourself out to be is a liar. And you eat the fruit of of your lips. You have to trust in and fully rely upon God, his nature, his word. You understand you can't you can't value anybody's word if you don't fully trust them. For instance, if, if Dorothy had a bad habit and she would say, oh, no, no, but this time, for, for sure, for sure, I'm not going to do it anymore. And I'm like, yeah, I don't believe. Then it, it wouldn't be good, right? I could clearly say I don't trust her word in that area. But this is God. It's impossible for him to lie. 
He's not a man that he should lie. He has no desire to lie. What for? So he's saying, you put yourself, you put on the whole armor of God, you trust him, you rely on him, and everything flows from him. You see what I'm saying here? So you pray without ceasing because you're fully trusting in him that he will accomplish his word. It says that he watches over his word to perform it. So it doesn't return to him void, but it goes and accomplishes what he sends it out to do. And his word says, you are healed. His word says, he is your provider. His word says, if you seek after righteousness, who is Jesus Christ? 1 Corinthians 1.30, right? Then you will, all these things will be added to you. Do you see how all this connects? You have power because of the nature of God that abides in you. And when you speak something, whether it's good or bad, it comes to pass. Now understand, there's a clause here. You have to believe what you speak. Scripture says, I believe, therefore I speak. And and Paul says, and me too. Because I believe, therefore I speak. This is why it says, be slow to speak and quick to listen. Because you can hear what's truly in someone's heart if you just simply listen. Take time to listen. I can tell you. I know this. I listen to people very clearly. I, I listen to very people very carefully. But I also use that on myself more than anyone else. I can tell you, there's certain times like, ooh, I need to work on that. To God. It's not for me to take that and beat somebody up over it, but it lets me know where they're at so I can help them. So I can minister the gospel to that person in that area. To pray with all prayer and supplication is putting yourself in a direction and not backing off. Whether it's your will, whether it's an intent, whether it's a wish, a vow, you set yourself in that direction. Now think about it. Think about everybody in Hebrews 11. What did they do? From Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, they put themselves in a direction and didn't back off. Trust God. You see what I'm saying? Now look at the second part of this. It says, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance. Persevere. Don't back off. Making supplication for all the saints. All the same. Not just your favorites. 
not just the ones you like to pray for, believe for. We're a body. Whether you like what I'm telling we're a body. Verse 19, and also for me. So here Paul When I read this, the vulnerability of Paul and the ambassador in chains, because he's in chains, some insecurity was trying to jump on him and says, so that the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. And the mystery of the gospel who follows scripture is Christ in you. The expectation of glory. I'm telling you, this is absolutely amazing. Don't take your armor off. Keep it on. Be ready. Don't get ready. Be ready at all times. Keep it on. Work out with it. Move around in it. Get used to it. Practice, do what's right at all times. Keep your heart clean, your hands pure, your hands clean and your heart pure so that you are ready for any and every good work. This is spiritual warfare. Because if you do these things, you become so convinced of God's nature and who he is. And you truly put on the whole armor of God. You will be able to withstand in the evil day. Do you notice it doesn't say days? It says day. And having done all, stand firm. To stand firm. Unshakable, unmovable, firm. Day that is evil. Completely evil. You're unshakable. No matter what you see, no matter what you hear, no what your your physical senses are telling you, you are unshakable and untouchable in Christ Jesus. This is what's amazing. He's saying it's possible. We see it with Jesus. He's saying it's absolutely possible to put on the full armor of God. This is something to be excited about. You put down the flesh. You put down the passions and the lust of the flesh by meditating, by focusing by chewing on God's word and then put, you know, and then you start forming a habit of doing God's word. And then you can't help but do God's word at 
every day because that becomes your meat. That becomes what you live off of. And all of a sudden, the word of God starts to unlock like there's layers. God's nature, you understand God's heart in a deeper level, and it, it births more compassion and love out of your heart. It begins to overflow, and it begins to impact. It begins to change you and everyone around you because they begin to see the difference and the change in how you speak and how you deal with people and how you, you impact people with your presence because you're seeing them through God's eyes instead of your own eyes because you're not looking with your flesh any longer. You're looking at them through the Spirit of God who yearns for them to come to God, and he yearns for the body of Christ as it says here. He yearns for them. He yearns over us. His Spirit, he yearns for, who dwells in us. Didn't it say that in James chapter 4? The sword of the Spirit. I'm going to close with this. When you begin to pay attention, the sword of the Spirit. Genesis 1. Says the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the deep. And the Hebrew words also mean flutter. It's a hovering over. Fluttering there. In Genesis 1. He's just there fluttering. The Spirit of God. And what does God do? He speaks a word. Let or light be. Two words. And, and then it was created. Right? So when you begin to realize the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. And it's just speaking the Word of God, agreeing with the absolute truth. You realize it's, it's not about how many things you say or you don't say. It's about fully trusting, relying in, and being obedient to His Word. Then the Spirit, it's like He comes active and he, he performs the word of God. So this is where Reinhard Bunke got the understanding that God's word spoken from your mouth is just as powerful as when he came from his mouth. Let me say it again. It comes from his mouth. Spirit is so important. And you have to look at how God spoke to conviction and certainty that it's going to happen. It's not going to return to him void because he completely trusts and relies on the word to be performed. And we see this with the old, see this. With King David and the patriarchs, we see this over and over through the Old Testament. God is letting us know the pattern, the, the, the thing that unlocks the promises of God in your life. We see it in Jesus' life over and over and over. He went without, he was poor. He wasn't poor. How many poor people 
have someone carrying a purse for you. Basically an accountant. I can tell you, people living on the streets don't have bank accounts. They don't. They don't need one. Not only that, it says he owned a house in person. Go to Mark chapter 2 or chapter 4 that they tore up his roof to let the paralytic man down. He had just returned home. Go to Luke 8, you find that the richest people in that society were providing for him and the disciples. So you're going to talk about partners, support ministry. Hey, it's all here. It's all in Scripture. Look and, and, and seek it out. It's there. Paul even rebukes the church over it. Oh, but if you bring that stuff up today, wow. You start to... When it's just theological. But when you start putting things in the practice, oh, no. Come on. Be ready. Persevere. Doing what's right at all times. I've been in a place where I went to minister, and the person was not of godly character at all. And I was so conflicted. The people around me were so conflicted. And I'm just like, I know a lot of it's just because of immaturity. But a lot of it is heart issues that need to be dealt with. And I fulfilled my my word to it hurt me. But I fulfilled my word so that I could be continue to be a man of my word. Sometimes that's hard to do. It wasn't because I forgot or anything like that. It's because I had to decide and resolve within myself to be a man of my word. When I when everything was fully justified for me to say no, this is not okay. It's doing what's right no matter what. That's why one of my favorite scenes of a movie is in the the kingdom of heaven. I don't like the movie. I don't like the religiousness of it. It, it, it rapes against it. Like it's, it, it's like over a chalkboard, right? And it's like raking that sound over my spirit when they're saying, well, it's God's will. It's God's their will and their selfish passions and, and corruption and everything. They're seeking fame and glory for themselves, not for God. But when he, the scene that pops up, and I'll bring that up and share that later, is when he, he tells Orlando Bloom, this is our creed. That we do right no matter what. Even if it leads to our death. And he goes through this whole creed. And at the very end, he smacks him. <laughs> it's like, ow, what was that for? So you don't forget it. And this is how we're supposed to walk upright. This is what chivalry was. It was a code of conduct that was upright. 
which was good and acceptable. And that's what we're missing today. Hey, well, because if I do what's right, then everybody makes fun of me. Everybody takes advantage of me. So what? At the end of the age, you can say, God, I walked upright and humble before you all the days of my life in Christ Jesus. This is what he, and we boast in, we boast in knowing God and letting him fight on our behalf. Don't take off your armor. Keep your armor on. That you can fight the good fight of faith everywhere you go. Amen. You got any got any uh, thoughts, Dorothy? Any anything? Come oh, I got lots of thoughts. I, I just don't know if I just don't know if they're all to topic. Um, yeah. I I don't even think about taking my armor off anymore. Every time you take your armor off, you get hit, you know? Yep. You let your guard mm-hmm. down and whammo. So yep. definitely keep it on. Definitely keep it on. And it's like, you know, in the natural. You should always have a five-month pantry just because stuff mm-hmm. happens, you know? Right. So, mm-hmm. especially with uh, some of the disasters and stuff happening. Yes, the Earth is travailing. It's, but, well, it's very interesting because um, we had planned doing a a boot camp in Orlando, Florida, when Hurricane Irene was coming to hit Jacksonville or hit Orlando directly on. And everybody thought we were crazy. They were calling us and asking if we were going to cancel. No, we flew in. We showed up. We were ready to stick it out, right? And But the thing is, is we understand that Jesus spoke to, excuse me, Jesus spoke to the weather, and the weather obeyed. Yep. So we got together, and we, we told the weather, no, nope, this is what you're going to do. And guess what? That that night, the hurricane experienced a wobble, <laughs> and it changed course. And the only thing we got was rain. There was no damage. There was nothing even close. It stayed off the shore. And so to everybody who was there, they were just pumped. They were so excited see, experience a miracle. We knew what God was wobbled. Right? Because we were we were there praying in agreement. Believing in agreement. So but it's always being prepared. Not backing down, not back even to the end. You know, I was I was meditating Abraham when God
and at any time God could have said, I, I believe you now. <laughs> here's a here's a ram or something before he gets Oh, he drove he hiked up a mountain. We have no idea what she was thinking about. We have no idea the of Isaac looking around. And then we told the servant, stay here. And then he wasn't lying to a servant. It was like an understanding that he had with God. He knew he can trust God that he wasn't going to basically lose the promise that God had made to him. Circumstances and everything, everything shouted the opposite direction. And it was until he lifted the knife and he was ready to bring it down on Isaac. And he just told him, Times believing God more than I want, more than I like, it comes down to the wire. And I don't know if it's something God does on a regular basis because He doesn't. Well, one thing I I I know for that He just wants. And it's not hard. It's not complicated. It's very. We're the ones who make it hard. But just as you had said before, Dorothy. The trust of a God said it. He's he's our he's our daddy, right? Big, strong, and powerful. And if he's yeah, yep, that's how that goes. Mhm. It's just the way it is. I'm gonna to need to to head out because I'm I'm about to jump on. So, you want to join us, Jehovah? Basically, we're talking yeah, about God I, is here. I hope that the show is recording all right. I'm getting a lot of breaking up still, so I hope that's not coming through on the broadcast that way because it's a good teaching. Yeah, I hope so too. And that's um, me. I'm going to in Facebook Live, and we're going to be talking about God as healer. And so, God bless you. Let me have a wonderful night, okay? So, right now, I just thank you for everyone to hear and eyes to see what your, what your spirit. And I thank you, Father, that they hold on to what is right, what is just, what is you. That would just be cast. Some of my flesh should be cast off to the side. But your word brings liberty in every area of their life. There's a seed sown that it will multiply. them. 
in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You have a blessed night, Anthony. And I do just want to say to people, there's a link in the show notes to Anthony's uh, fund fundraiser. Is that what you call it, a fundraiser? Yes. Yes, it is a fundraiser. Okay. So if you guys so want to for... check that out. Mm-hmm. So it's for our... There's a... Yep, there's some nice uh, T-shirts there on them. Yep. Great witnessing tool. And I get the shirt at Oscar. Yep. All right. So bless everyone. And we shall see you in a couple of weeks and get a new teaching. Yes, or y'all can go over to Facebook and get them more often because it's very nourishing teaching, very edifying. So, Father bless everyone. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Good night, Anthony. Good night, Dorothy.